we're going to jump back into it. We're going to go through chapters 2 through 12. We spent 45 minutes on chapter 1, but oh it's God, because be it's long. number 1. But yeah, so yeah, we're going to start off with chapter 2 and keep going. So yeah, man, it's uh, in, in, it deserves that, man. The first chapter, it just and, and just like what you're saying, Darren, where you're like living the the this, the the crazy you know life where all these things are coming at you, mm-hmm. and then you read chapter one, you're like, bro, you're doing it all wrong. All this shit's coming oh, yeah. at you. Come, all this shit's coming at you. You're fucking need to stop fucking saying yes to everything. You need to start prioritizing, mm-hmm. and then then it hits you. You're like holy fuck bro like like tell me more right mm. so and 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 then the rest of the book is okay like let's break down this massive doozy of what being an essentialist is all about and cover point by point throughout the rest of the book let's do it so yeah don don recommended the book to me i was running literally running a restaurant by myself yes like dude <laughs> it was the craziest shit ever, i kept telling you about the cafe right by yeah. my house dude, he was he ran it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, the keto cafe. The keto yeah, cafe. that's yeah. you. Yeah. Yes. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, fuck, so I, I would wake up. I even had an organic farm in Clarksburg. Drive to Clarksburg, go on my farm, pick tomatoes that I was going to sell that day, then go like prep. Didn't yeah. have a trash can. I had to drop my trash off at random dumpsters. I, like it, it, like 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> I do. The, the opposite of a sandwich. Yeah, a little parking lot <laughs> dumpster action. Talking to all talking to Debbie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This homeless person that would come by, bro. Oh, my God. Was, we'll talk about it after. We'll talk about, about it after. after. Anyway, it's not essential. Anyway, okay. <laughs> back from the top. Chapter two. Choose. The invisible power of choice, right? Um, and I, I want to uh, kind of give a, a insight to Darren what I was telling you about the Panda Planner, right? What's so cool about it when you really get time to reflect and get that, that moment of clarity and try to understand okay these are the main things i need to accomplish this week right what are all the individual line items are required to execute that project or that thing that i'm trying to get done right and in a smaller business like mine unfortunately a lot of those i have to do like 80 to 90 percent of the things that i'm like okay here's all these things i need to do 90 whatever i can delegate i will but what most of it i have to do is mine but to be an executive in a bigger company, still doing that gives you those individual, those individual items that need to get done, mm-hmm. but then you have a whole team to get it done. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think the true power is and the choice that understanding, okay, here's these five things that might need to get done, but let's choose what's most important and then start working on our team effort to get that done. Have you guys heard about the bucket? I'm sure it's like, uh, you know, the fill up the bucket. You don't want to start with the sand. You want to start with the big stones. Yes. And then yeah. work your way down into the sand so everything fits. Mm-hmm. Um, just like trying to tackle the hardest thing, you know, mm-hmm. and then everything else uh, kind of goes down from there. Mm-hmm. I love it, man. Yep. Yeah, no, it's um, how it says, you know, the ability to choose cannot be taken away or give. Or, or even given away, and you might be t- you might be touching up on this because I know I saw that you dude. I circled that one. Go that ahead, was like ahead, honestly, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. Yep. No, so I just think that that's like that's so true. Like even now, like I've listened to this and I started adopting these um, ideals and and really changing the way that I go through my day to day and how I manage my time. And like I still catch myself. So like having that heightened awareness and understanding like that you do have mm-hmm. the ability to choose. And if you forget that, that's all it is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like we control our thoughts. And so if you start letting go of that control, 
all you're doing is forgetting. So you need to just continue to remind yourself, like, I have the ability to say yes or no to this. And then you have to bring that back into, like, that food web of, like, how are these different lines going to bring me back to the core of where mm -hmm. I really need, realistically need to be for us to achieve whatever our goal is, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and what it makes remind me of is uh, from the four agreements, right? When it, um, <clears throat> by, uh, what's his name? Give me a second. <laughs> it's, um... Miguel, Don Miguel Rodriguez. Yeah, Don yes, Miguel. Yes, Ruiz. I borrowed, I borrowed the book from him. That's why I asked him. Um, but anyway, no, it, it lays out the four agreements, the four important uh, tenets to living a, like a quality life. And then at the end of the book, it says, you know what? If you failed at one of, one of these four things, it's all right because you have tomorrow, right? And it's the same thing with choice. It's, you know, you, you might get caught up in some of the old ways and you'll find yourself slipping uh, to start over overdoing again, right? And not mm. saying no, but then just realize, wait a minute, you catch yourself, you, you, you still have that power and you can have it be forgotten and you can reset because, you know, it, tomorrow's a new day, essentially. Yeah, when you forget. I mean, I think it's like a muscle, you yeah. know? And the more we practice it, the better we get at it. Yeah. Pretty soon it just becomes just part of our lifestyle. You yeah, know? yeah. We, we got yeah. to kind of see through the noise. There's so much noise and it, it kind of bridging into chapter three, you know, discern the unimportance of practically everything. And in the first quote, we live in a world where almost everything is worthless and a very few things are exceptionally valuable. So being able to see through the noise and really put our attention towards that one thing, you know, how you said that the bigger rocks first. And um, like for me, like I always like to tackle, um, I guess the most difficult or the, the, the more tedious thing that's on my list, right? Because well, I'll have a list, but like the first ones, it's like the objective. Like when I wake up after I kind of do the, the, more, the routine, tackle that one and focus on that one. A non-essentialist thinks almost everything is essential. An essentialist thinks almost everything is non-essential. I mean, that's just hard facts, man. And you live in today's world where social media and this fucking information stimuli is coming from everywhere. You have all these news stations reporting on just fucking nonsense. It's like, bro, it doesn't matter. And like, stop thinking that you need to stay on top of everything going on in the world, that you need to understand what so-and-so is going, this Twitter fucking drama or this IG drama that's going on. All that shit doesn't matter at the yeah. end of the day <laughs> at all. It doesn't. Mm -mm. <laughs> yeah, how does that apply to your life in like a beneficial way that's like, this is valuable for me to be involved in this type of Whatever. drama, nonsense, bullshit. Like, exactly. You know, that it's all a way of thinking, you know what I mean? So like, um, like what you said about it's a muscle, like you have to continuously train yourself to be like, this is how I'm going to think. I'm going to look at things as most everything that's brought to me or that I see or that like is talked about mm -hmm. is non-essential, yeah. you know? And then once you understand that, then it becomes easier to like adopt all these other like processes and use those tools. So, yeah. Yes, sir. And, and part of it's just walking into the sheer unknown. This is probably oh, yeah. a poor example, but it's like oftentimes we don't know what we don't know. And just mm -hmm. not even being in that role is like for, we can't even imagine us letting go of the reins. And like thinking the world will be okay, you know. Like uh, <laughs> there's this lady that cooks dinner every night for her her kids. Nobody likes it. She gets pissed off every time. And then what? Somebody's like, "Why don't you just stop cooking?" She's like, "I can't do that. My family will starve." So Shani, long story short, she stops cooking. Everybody loves it. They cook way better than she does. They don't have to hear about her bitching all the time. Like the world will go on, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. Stay in your lane. For sure. <laughs> That's funny, man. Um, so with every time we say no, there's an opportunity cost. Yes. And 
it kind of ties into the trade-off. Before we kind of jump into this, I love the, um, it was like an Instagram video where it was Gary V, and then um, it was the owner of, was it, who was that? Um, was it the old guy on stage? Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking and, about. And uh, they were talking about work-life balance or something like that. Yep. And they were like, there really is no work-life balance. It's just you make decisions and you live with the consequences. And there's, there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. And, you know, you just you make a decision and that's going to have consequences. And, you know, if you made the other decision, there's going to have consequences either way. So you just make a decision and you go with it. But also knowing which decision to make and which one's going to be proactive and actually achieving and going towards where you want to go, that's, you know, really where focusing on the trade-off and recognizing the trade-off is, is comes, comes into play. Well, and I think the experienced essentialist will understand when opportunities or products come on your come your way, what is really required from you or from your team in order to make this happen, right? Mm. And, and, mm. And, and the inexperienced person that's just looking for anything and trying to get off the ground says yes to everything because they don't know what that, mm. what that requires. And then you get into it, you're, say, a quarter of the way through, and you're like, fuck, dude, I still have three quarters of this shit left, and it's going to take me X amount of time, but you've already committed. So then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, uh, it, it's truly being aware of what's required to get certain things done. Yeah. And then when you say yes, okay, you have to fall. If you are going to follow through with it, this is what it's actually going to take to do it. It says right here, which problem do I want? Yep. You know, because every there's a problem, and you know, we're going to have the solution. How you said we know what it takes to actually solve that problem or get to that goal and which one do I want which one am I willing which one do I want to solve or which one am I willing to to uh, put the effort in to get to point B and that goes to my favorite one um, which is instead of saying what do I have to give up essentialist ask what do I want to go big on yes so it's like you're coming at it from a full rich mindset not of lack and like oh I'm gonna lose things things are gonna yeah. suck I'm gonna suffer yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. That was actually the one that I was eyeing. We're kind of all on the same wavelength, I feel like, with what we feel like is most essential, essential. even in our notes of what we have. You know, and I've been looking at this this chapter one fucking um, quote that I feel like made me feel okay with, um, with having trade-offs and um, feeling okay with being able to say no to things. You know what I mean? Which, which is that essentialism is not a way to do one more thing. It is a different way of doing everything and it, it is a way of thinking, you know what I mean? So once I was like, how can I manipulate this essentialism and essentialist way of thinking to still get everything that I want out of it? So instead of like, I almost doubled my staff, right? Over the past like 45, 60 days. Like once After you I showed me the this book. fucking book. <laughs> so, I was like, yes. so I was like, okay, I want to do all these things, but I know that I can't necessarily, but I don't want to have trade-offs. So how do I fucking like play this to my benefit and it was like oh that's simple let's just like refine everybody's like priorities and let's add additional support to this you know this web of a workflow that it takes there's a formula of like how to you know sell your product into a store then sell your product through like then the product gets delivered and then it gets sold through the store there's a uh, essential um, steps in each of those different you know, layers. Parts of the process. Exactly. Yeah, in yeah, each yeah. of those processes that like need to be tackled. Mm-hmm. So now instead of having one person doing all of nine it. different aspects, we've tied in like, you know, the distribution support, then like the sell through support, which is like the training and going to the stores, just saying hi to the staff, asking them questions. And then there's like, you know, the sell through reorder side, which is 
what's the playbook for that account? Like for each account, who do you talk to for what different, you know, department, mm. whether it's like getting your deliveries, getting payment, fucking social media, you know, cross promotion. And so once like you're able to dial all those different things and understand what are your, what's your purpose? What's your intent? Again, I've said that like six times. I feel like now like purpose and intent, I feel like is like, you know, the core of what essentialist essentialism is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, well, and the real question is now, do you see more productivity coming from these people and are, do you have better employees, more, more focused employees now that they're doing these individual tasks versus trying to tackle the whole thing? Oh, absolutely. And everybody's working together. So everybody feels like, you know, I don't have to stress on Mm -hmm. all these like responsibilities. I have somebody Mm -hmm. to go to, you know? And then when people call me now, it's like, you better have Mm -hmm. some for me. Right. So yeah. now they respect my time because it's like if I call D, then he's going to help me with this problem or he's just not going to answer. And what am I going to do? I'm going to call Jenny. You know what I mean? I'm going to call Claudia. I'm going to call somebody else. And then eventually people just understand like everyone's position, regardless of you put it on paper. You got, you know, this is your structure, your business. This is like the, the chain of command or whatever. You know what I mean? And the way I look at things is more of an ecosystem, less than like a chain from bottom to top. It's more like how are we in this like circular uh, community with our business so that we can all work together to really help reach a uh, common goal. So I even changed like my, my uh, structure of how I paid people so that everybody saw the benefit and felt like they were being appreciated for the time and effort and work that they put in. So now everybody's on the same page and everybody's working together to like make all this stuff happen. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So. Sorry, I had to like go into that because it was like no, it's so perfect. No, and, and, that, and that's yeah. that's honestly the heart of what I'm trying to capture this podcast. It's it's you want people that are in these positions that take these these principles and these like high level people that write these books. They do it for a reason, and they're trying to get, and they're trying to equip you know other readers to internalize the concepts that they spend a lot of time putting into written word so that you can then become a better business person yourself. Yeah. And, then, and then you keep coming back to it and, and spitting the praise of, hey man, I fucking read essentialism and I'm saying no a lot more. I'm, I'm focused on what matters and... I'm applying the knowledge I read out of a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Who can't, exactly. Half the battle right there. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, like why read it? Well, because this is what came from it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you have to have... We're all looking for like... And this is a bad example because it's not the way that I want to think, but it's like you'll see LeBron James on a McDonald's commercial and you'll be like, fucking word. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm getting a Big Mac today because LeBron James said that it's okay. That's you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, but yeah, dude, it's. I'll a, be honest with a, you, dude. I've seen him win a championship and smoke a cigar, and I'm like, wait, LeBron's smoking a cigar. I can smoke a cigar oh, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I always Jordan, think about you know what cigar. I mean? Like, <laughs> and it all goes back to like, people need like that reassurance, like for anything that we do. My, I started this carnivore diet. My buddy Alex, who um, is also in the cannabis space, he's, a, he's an extractor. Um, he started doing carnivore diet, lost like over 150 pounds, but it wasn't even the weight, like him losing weight that like, kept him going and mm-hmm. what really sold me on it was more of like the way he felt his mentality his clarity of thinking you know what i mean and mm-hmm. like i've tried keto i've tried these different diets or whatever but it's like crazy the way that like once somebody you know shares it with you and, and again don like i couldn't like be more appreciative for the fact that you shared this book with me because i'm just not that type of person bro like i'm not reading books i'm not like i the podcast and how you guys talk about things is like um, is really like refreshing to me, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I just really appreciate it, bro, because it has been uh, life changing. I think it's important for 
anybody listening that is like considering reading the book, like whether you're an owner or a CEO or an employee, like this is, it, it pertains to all different walks of life and all different like segments of your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not just like business. It's, it's other shit too. You can by yourself on a farm with yes. nothing to do. Yeah. You know, like you could, you could always apply this knowledge. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And what's so crazy about it, man. And, and, you know, and ultimately, you know, shout out to Ian for giving it to me. Uh, it's, it's the, I, I told this to Grant. What was it? The other one, um, Something was like the toolbox, but essentialism was the bat belt. I did remember uh, the toolbox. Boy, I don't know. We, we ran through a ton of them. We t- ran through a the, 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 <laughs> Honestly, I think the essentialist mindset is the most important mindset that's required for you to really take that next step in life because <clears throat> we all have ambition, especially people in business. You're ambitious. You're trying to get all these things done. You're trying to accomplish a lot, but you can't let your own self-ambition get in the way of of systemizing what's important and then tackling them in, a, in an effective way both for you and your team so yeah i mean es- escaping right so escape the perks of being unavailable is like huge the second you're unavailable you have more time i think there was uh one of the chapters that talks about like google literally has like a uh like a pod, like a, like a relaxation mm. pod where their employees can like rest mm-hmm. during the day. And it's like, when you think about that, like, and you have this, you don't have that way of thinking, understanding like the value of essentialism and like the value of like resting, but being able to escape. And like you said about uh, Bill Gates, where he takes a week off just to think it's like, how do you process all that information and like the value of being unavailable and escaping and that's another piece like mm-hmm. I did that shit over this past weekend on Monday it was President's Day I'm not necessarily like hella celebrating that shit but I'm sitting there mm-hmm. like I didn't really answer my phone you know what I mean I spent the time with my lady we just chilled and it was like it was quiet mm-hmm. you know what I mean and my phone was going off I had like 70 messages by 6 p.m. and you know the second I walked away I looked at my phone for a minute and like just saw like like the day we actually lived through the day like this crazy concept of like I didn't answer all my messages but like nobody died mm-hmm. the the world didn't implode yeah. my world didn't implode my business didn't go up in flames like everything was okay you know what I mean so like it's crazy to like when, when you think you have to do so much mm-hmm. but then when you realize like fuck I escape I actually enjoy my time out doing whatever it was and what was the consequence of that? Like, I felt so good. I felt refreshed. When Tuesday came, I hit Tuesday hard. You know hard. what I mean? Came at it hard. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, I, I don't deserve to take another day. You know what I mean? But Tuesday, I got purpose. I have the intention of tackling these couple items. And then that's what, that's what the fuck I did, you know? No, it's, and in hearing those stories and, and, and applying those ways of thinking to your life is going to, uh, you know, it's what reading books are all about, especially mm. these books, you know? Um, and then I guess we'll, we'll leave that in the chapter six. So, uh, it says, look, see what really matters. Being a journalist of your own life will, will force you to stop hyper-focusing on all the minor details and seeing the bigger picture. And again, that it goes back to the Panda Planner. We would need a sponsorship guys. You know, we're going to put it out there. I want, I want every single person on the Panda Planner. But again, (laughs) it's, you get to be a journalist of your own life and you stay accountable to what it is you actually do. How do you spend your time? 
what and, and how do you prioritize the things that you want to accomplish? And, and then putting it into a very practical, self-reflecting way so that when you have a day like yesterday where I freaking, yeah, I, I was on the news. I had to get all prepped for that. We had to finish our website. Uh, right after this, I got to go um, work on our Facebook ad campaign and then I'm flying to Vegas. Yeah. So like my next, my yeah. last three days have been insane prepping for that news thing. We have mm-hmm. the podcast today and then I'm flying to Vegas. But, you know, sure as hell, I'm going to spend a day where I do absolutely nothing. Yeah take a couple of days to recoup and then fucking come right back yeah. at it. And I want to tie that in, in, in like, um, you have a journal, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of bridging into chapter seven is, we always carry the journal. I mean, I always see you carrying the journal is because it's when we're playing, where we're not really doing, like working is like, when the ideas, <laughs> when the idea, big boy over yeah, here, the XL. I've got the journal for like, look. Is you that a moleskin? Like, yeah. I don't use it. I use it for like a week, and I'll tell you that week I used it was phenomenal. But yes. then I just yeah. fucking fell off, and I told Don, I'm like, dude, I need help with this shit. Like, I thought you were gonna say like, my my glasses aren't prescription either, man. Yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck. No, but uh, but yeah, it's like it's like when we're playing or like when we're just relaxing or reflecting and, and or just thinking. It's th- that's when the ideas come. That that's when the realizations, like just that the, the one sentence in our head. It's like, bro, like it's I need it's, to write this it's down. when you're in the shower and you're escaped yeah. and then you have all these great ideas that come to you because there's nothing going on. You literally have mm-hmm. that freedom of of a little bit of time and then you're able to. Your mind is like, okay, here's you know the field of play. Here's all these twenty items. How can I connect these? How can I connect these items towards actually what I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. right? And you can reflect and see, and and think of things. And then what's also really uh, critical about the Panda Planner when you do have that time to think, immediately write it down. Because if you don't write it down, bro, it's gone. Mm-hmm. And especially in like a day, two days, whatever. And the more you're able to write these things that come to your mind, those gems that you that you're able to reflect and capture. It's, it's, it's writing it down for when you can then address it and actually put that into practice is where it's valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just, I'll end my quote with, uh, what is it? The, uh, the faintest pencil is stronger than the uh, strongest memory. There it is. Yeah, I learned that shit from, I think, Stephen Marley. I had like a yeah. Jay-Z reference for like the, this moment of clarity of uh, yep. embracing the wisdom of your inner child. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Um, I just, I feel like, like you said, that's where all this like creativity comes from is when you're outside of the box of your work life. You know what I mean? It's like when you're enjoying yourself, that's when all these new ideas come in and just things will pop in your head randomly, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, well, that's like the, you can see the mountain clearly from the valley, you know, it's like if you're on the mountain of work or whatever task you're doing all the time, you, you don't have that, um, space in order to to see that clarity so yeah mm-hmm. i'm with you man uh what do you say moving on yeah this, chapter eight this, this is a big one this is a big one bro yeah. sleep protect the asset the biggest asset we have for making a contribution to the world is ourselves and there's nothing i mean i'm telling you man it's sleep and uh and eating right and 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 just general taking care of yourself is I mean, it's what my passion is. It's why I got into natural products because, you know, I got my degree in chemistry. Do I go into pharmaceutical sales? Do I go into research and development? Do I go into a quality control lab? What does that bring to me at the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Not like 
<laughs> Nothing, bro. I talked about it in our podcast. Do I want to be hanging around these fucking chemistry girls, like flirting with me and shit? No, I don't. You're basic and get the fuck out of here. I'm oh sorry. Chemi- there are hot chemistry girls that are dope. Don't take me wrong on that. But that's just like uh, what I'm saying, bro. Like you don't want to be put yourself in that environment. So I like, go to this natural products convention, <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, dude. I can eat all this free shit from free f- from Whole Foods and sell products that actually like matter and not like this big freaking big pharma play or whatever you yeah. know nonsense that's out in the industry for most chemistry students so you know natural products are where it's at man living healthy doing what's right right because you know yourself right exactly you knew that that door is not where you wanted to go <clears throat> exactly self-aware protecting the asset Th- there was um i think in the past in the past uh, podcast joe rogan and elon there uh joe asked him like how much do you sleep He's like, oh, like six hours. And then Joe was like so surprised. Like, bro, like how do you manage these two companies on six hours? And Multiple he, companies. He, multiple companies, yeah, actually. Yeah. And Elon kind of elaborated. He's like, yeah, like I've done like the no sleep thing and just I just see productivity just tanks. Like it's, it's gone. I, I want to also throw a quote from earlier. Uh, <laughs> Elon says, entrepreneurship is like eating glass and staring to the abyss. It's <laughs> <laughs> a wise man, real wise man, real wise man. Um, but yeah, man, no, it's uh, well. And the other thing, like people who I guess don't fully understand what it's like to be him, it's dude. He has a massive team, yeah. Like, and he's really effective at at managing those people and having mm. managers manage those people. And you know, the Elon effect of I'm gonna put microchips in people's brains and I'm gonna have monkeys that can play video games with their mind. Yes, I want to drop everything and work for that guy. You know what I mean? Does he is he the one actually installing the, the chips in the monkey's brains? No, but you know he's yeah. he's doing Elon. Okay, and I kind of want to tie back to the systems because I know we kind of opened up chapter one and two mostly like revolving mm-hmm. around systems and and really focusing on our, our teams and our attention and um, <clears throat> the power of extreme criteria. So uh-huh. not just systems for what we do for business, but we can also develop systems for how we make decisions and how we say no and, and what we say no to. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, uh, <clears throat> we'll say the, the 90% rule, as we evaluate an option, think about the single most important criterion for that decision and then simply give the option a score between zero and 100. If you rate it any lower than 90%, then automatically change the rating to zero and simply reject it. That shit was powerful. When you read that, or when you listen to that, or whatever, however you take this book in, that was uh, that was huge. And being able to figure out like the steps in the process for how you can actually like make those decisions, um, and having this like what is it one through three? Yeah, one through three steps of like writing down the opportunity. Um, then the second thing, writing down a list of three minimum criteria the option would need to pass in order to be considered as an essential um, item or project. Uh, third, write down a list of three ideal or extreme criteria the option would need to pass in order to be considered. By definition, if the opportunity doesn't pass the first set of criteria, the answer is obviously no. But if you also don't, if it also doesn't pass two of your three extreme criteria, the answer is still no. So like, it's got to hit all the checkbox. Like we talked about that shit earlier. Like mm-hmm. if it doesn't hit all checkboxes, then it's not actually essential. And this is, I think, a great toolkit, like being equipped with those tools to actually make those decisions on how do you go through that process in your mind or how do you take it from your mind and put it on paper to actually feel like, okay, I'm actually becoming an essentialist by making those decisions, you know? So 
it's uh that's freeing right there i i came across that one on facebook with the uh i think it was like <clears throat> how do you know whether you want to date somebody or not it's like if it's not a fuck yeah it's a fuck no that's right <laughs> <laughs> But no, this one drills it down even deeper, man, and it's so cool to see this process. It also reminds me of the uh, the eighty twenty principle too, or just that whole Pareto thing. Yes, no, absolutely. Well, and that's uh, you know that ties into uh, the four hour work week, right? Where you know eighty percent of your revenue normally comes from twenty percent of your customers, mm-hmm. and and working with those you know those outliers that are the hardest to work with, they they they. You know, uh, it reminds me of the social media posts that, that's going around. It's like you have the $5,000 client and the $50,000 client. The $50,000 client is like check sent, it's done. Yeah. And the 5000 is like, oh, all this extra shit, bro. And it's like, nah, get out of here. And then you have to give just so much more attention for that $5,000 client to actually yeah. be happy, which also will affect in most businesses what your ratings, which affects like new customers, which affects like your overall revenue. So if you mm-hmm. focus in on those larger clients and you have those or those uh, higher spend customers, um, it just makes your job a lot easier too, which mm-hmm. makes being essential and having an essential business um, and how you run your business just a lot easier mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. That's been something that we've really been dialing down. I think we're in, there's 800 plus retail locations in the state. I think we're in like 150 to 200 of them. But when I started looking at like out of all those locations, who do we spend a lot of time on? We spend the time on like the slower moving stores, but it's like, what if we spent the time on the the, the large volume stores mm-hmm. that are just flying through shit? How can we help, you know, um, deploy funds or deploy resources to those accounts to help build those up even quicker? And those are the accounts that what pay on time. You know, it's a lot like mm-hmm. less work even for all the different channels of distribution and my marketing team. How much more can we actually deploy to less? Mm-hmm. accounts especially like these accounts that have like eight stores a part of their one brand you know what i mean or you know mm-hmm. well and that and that's focusing on what's what's the best effort where where can we deploy energy and resource to get the most in return right mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and i guess let's leave that to chapter 10 clarify one decision that makes a thousand when there's a serious lack of clarity about what the team stands for and what their goals and roles are, people experience confusion, stress, and frustration. Um, and again, I guess what's really cool about what you're doing, Darren, is that you read this book and immediately applied it to your business in, in seeing direct ROI from your team's efforts and you know how not only how the team operates, but how you think about the team. So, um, you know, that's... You can't get better than that, man. And, and, and being the leader, it's about seeing the playing field exactly the way it is and being able to make, you know, adjustments that, you know, trickle down from the top to the entire organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that brought it just brought a lot of clarity to me because it's like when you're so involved in your business or um, or your your projects that you're working on and then like you're able to like for me when I was able to like listen to this book everything just started connecting for me like Mm -hmm. very simply and it was just like I think from November to December we had like a 40% increase in sales and that's where like the whole concept of like essentialism like really like stood true you know what I mean where we had everybody on the team was working together everybody had a heightened sense of like what their priorities were their purpose exactly and mm-hmm. their purpose for like you know what each day was going to look like for them as opposed to like spreading everybody getting spread too thin and uh 
I was able to see that ROI, you know, mm-hmm. and that was that was huge. And even now, like we're looking at the production side because sales is now outperforming production. Um, and so on the production side, it's like I was talking to my partner. I'm like, dude, you have to adopt some of these same principles with <laughs> your yes. team because it's like, <laughs> how do you how can we ensure that there's like the checks and balances necessary or that there's the planning that is necessary? Like we have all these you know, we're, we're top heavy, becoming more top heavy as opposed to having like so many people just like handling all these different tasks, but then there's nobody like checking that work or like overseeing it. Um, just doesn't allow us to like take that next step forward. So being able to like have clarity and how, um, how you use the essentialism, like, I don't know what you call it, mindset to really like, you know, take your business to the next level or to like refine and um and uh, fuck (laughs) (laughs) you had a good point man (laughs) yeah and how to take that and just multiply that and turn it into like exponential growth and just Mm. you know a lot a lot higher quality of like work is it's putting the fucking price it's equipping yourself with the mindset identifying the playing field as it is and then making the adjustments necessary to see the roi of that mindset and implementing it within your team there you go just like that Dang. Just a little I'll cut my dog. shit. That's what I'm talking Paste about. Paste that on top. It's a wrap. <laughs> That's a wrap. So we're gonna go on to chapter eleven. Yeah. Uh, dare the powerful of a graceful no. And you know we, like I said, uh, kind of how the book works is here's chapter one, and this is like eighty to ninety percent of the entire book. And then every chapter is going <laughs> to then reinforce yeah. everything I just said in chapter one. And 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 saying no is one of the biggest things that this, this book really talks about and being confident in saying no and, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just being able to eliminate what's unessential. Well, and caring enough about yourself and others to tell yourself and others the truth. Yeah. Facts. And you it's, know? it's sep- like how it says, separating yourself, separating the decision from the relationship. And you, you know, we touched up on this Big where time. it's like by saying no, you're actually, you know, helping the relationship, you're, you're saving time, you're saving money, whatever it may be. Dude, you won't be popular in that moment, mm-hmm. but in the long run, yeah, they're going to appreciate it and you're going to like feel better about your decision yep. to say no, right? Mm-hmm. So that was like a big quote. Well, and it's also when working with, uh, you know, managers that manage technicians, right? It's when you give them limited amount of your time, like what you're saying, you're seeing them you know, act in a similar fashion and come to you with just pure of what is going on. All cut out the bullshit. This is what's going on. How are we going to tackle this? Boom. This is what you got to do now. Go. Or they don't. And you're like, man, that person doesn't take the initiative. Maybe mm. they're not the right fit. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's another way of like figuring out who makes the cut, who doesn't. And how do you like, yeah, use the, use the essentialism um, mindset to your benefit and even how you hire and manage yeah. so many different people. You know what my next challenge for you is? Get all your top people in your company to read this book. That'll happen. Yeah. And that's... That'll happen. Yeah, exactly. And that's giving everyone that you directly work with, okay, now let's give them the lens of what's essential and how, what can we pick to actually increase our productivity so I can work better and, you know, the team can be better. Yeah, that's my next challenge for you, bud. Yeah, that's a big challenge because I'm like, you know, I'm over here preaching this essentialism shit and like, I'm like, but I want to be in control of what people think is essential. So give them the power to be essential. And then I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Now I'm back to square one. You know what I mean? But no, like, honestly, like yeah. I've, I've thought about that and I'm just like that same thought went through my head is I'm like, 
you're such a freak dog like you're tripping out over what you already know works because mm -hmm. you want to make sure we still get everything done but it's like yeah. everything did get done the growth was there so it's like you can you know double in in size and uh double in your um in, in your team and still, you know, that value is definitely there. The yeah. ROI is still there. You know what I mean? So, well, and I think in saying that, let's look at this last uh, quote of the chapter. If your manager comes to you and asks you to do X, you can respond with, yes, I'm happy to make this the priority. Which of these other projects should I deprioritize to pay attention to your new project? Ooh, putting it back Boom. in there, hot potato back in there. Exactly. Yeah. So how do you sell? Like, how do you, how are you going to tell me that this is the most important thing for me to focus on right now? Right. And, you know, the I've got it. My bad. I've got employees that hit me with that shit now. They're like, exactly. oh, you want me to do this now? Like, well, what about this? Did you just ask me? I'm like. Fuck, I've taught you too much. <laughs> they know the dark arts. <laughs> well, do, do you want to uh, tackle chapter 12? or should we, should Let, we No, let's, let's just finish it up. So right. chapter 12, um, uncommit. Big, win big by cutting your losses. Hmm. Sunk cost bias is the tendency we continue to invest our time, money, or energy into something we knew was a losing proposition simply because we've already incurred or sunk the cost that can't be recouped. Yep. And um, I, was, I was actually listening to Kimbo, shout out Seth Godin again, yesterday, where he talks about it at the same time. And he, his, his analogy is like, um, and it, it ties into like, what gets me to point uh, B is not what's going to get me to point C. And it, and, um, but his example was like, okay, I want, the, the past me wanted a, a blue iguana, but now like, it's kind of like, am I going to accept this gift that my past self gave me? And, and it's okay to say no, right? So mm. it's like, don't because you invested time into it it's okay to be like okay i don't want to do this anymore i want to go over here and the, yeah go for it well it was like the eight-year-old yuli wanted the blue iguana yeah you know to meet his needs yeah and the other one speaking of this before i uh, give it over to don is um for me i found that everybody in the world has the same basic human needs we're all trying to do the same thing yep. but we have mm -hmm. different tools and different ways of going about those and some of those ways are more harmful than others you know and so for me, it's not really like, or bringing it back to this, it's not really as it's good or bad is, as it, is it effective or ineffective? And I'm trying to just do like more, way more effective stuff, you know, get way more bang for my buck. And, and to me, that's why I like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, and what's also critical too is when you say something that you take on a project like starting a business, right? <clears throat> You're looking at a three to five, 10 years, a long commitment. Mm -hmm. just, marriage, same thing, right? You don't know what it's like to be in year three, five, because you're not there yet, right? And, and when you go all the way through and then you see, okay, you know, here's all the responsibilities that are required of me. These are all the different things that I could never have seen until I flipped over the coin. But if it's a losing proposition at the end, then you gotta cut your ties. Even mm -hmm. if it's something as big as a business or a marriage or relationship, um, you know, some, you know, big adjustments that you need to make it's not until you make them and then let six months come in you realize wait a minute that was the right decision that was game changing you always have to drive your boat because standing on the back of the boat and looking at the wakes and looking at like the history of what you did and oh I, I wasted this time or whatever like then who's driving the boat you know exactly. what I'm saying like you're not going anywhere like that goes back to you make a decision and whether it's a good consequence or a bad consequence like there's an action, there's a what reaction to every action and, mm -hmm. and there's the same for the choices that we make. And so um, I've been using that a lot lately, just looking at like if we, we make a decision and it's 
the wrong decision or the right decision. Like either way, we have to move forward and let's make sure that we just, you know, learn from the mistakes. Take a break. You know what I mean? Look back, reflect, escape that like, you know, fuck. Escape. I lost the note, so it doesn't matter. There you go. Uncommit. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Right there. All right, guys. guys, That was uh, part two. We're going to cut out to the break and then the outro. Stay tuned in a few days for part three.